This morning, before we get to the message, I want to look at what we've been looking at together as we read John chapter 1 on Monday and we, and we worked together to read one chapter of John this past week. We, we looked at a message last Sunday on We're Better Together. We're going to look at part two of that this morning. But we looked at the power of unity and we began reading the book of John together. I see somebody laughing over there about James, but that's all right. I'm going to leave him. I don't care as long as you read something. But, but we're going we're gonna to have to do some things to grow together. And, and the two most important things we can do together as a church, number one is read the Word of God together. And number two is pray together. So your little card that you have, we'll, we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Let, let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and pray before we start. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for the song, You Are Holy, You Are Righteous, You Are Our Redeemer, Our Savior, Our Healer, Lord, the, the Restorer of Our Souls. Lord God, thank you so much for being everything that we need and so much more, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Thank you for the children, for the singing, for the choir, for the work, for the blessing, God. Thank you for the stirring in our souls. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place, God. I pray that you'd move among each soul in here, God. I pray you'd speak to every individual as only you can do. I pray that every one of us walk out of this door having been, having been touched by your Spirit, ha having felt your presence, having been given instructions to serve you and to live better for you. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. You know, they did a survey and had a spot they had to check if you're a Christian. So on this survey of people that checked that they were a Christian, based on that survey of the national average of those who checked Christians, spend three minutes or less praying per week. The people who checked the survey that they were a Christian and then checked their level of prayer life, the average, national average in this country of what people who claim to be Christians check is that they pray three minutes or less per week. That is not a healthy Christian life. That, that's not where we're going to grow and get closer to God. So, so we started reading John. Just to give you a little tidbits as we go, of course, the four Gospels. It's the accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. It's the same life. It's the same story, but it's different writers. Amen? It's different perspective. It's different views of the same thing. Now, when, when we start out, you know, in the book of Matthew, he gives us the, the longest genealogy of, the, of the, the line of Christ of anybody, but then you get to the fourth gospel of John, and we don't get a genealogy at all. All we have is four different men, four different perspectives of the same life. Matthew is a teacher. Matthew, he, he, he emphasizes and focuses on, on the sermons of Christ. Mark is a preacher. He focuses on the miracles of Christ. Now, now Luke, he's a historian, and he focuses a lot on the parables of Christ. But when we get to John, John is a theologian, and he focuses mainly on the doctrines of Christ. We look at Matthew, we see that Matthew portrays Christ as king like that of a lion. You get to Mark, and he portrays Christ as a servant like that of an oxen. When you look there at Luke, he, he describes Christ as the perfect man, but John portrays him as the mighty God. They're all true. They're all correct. Every one of them is right. They're all about the same life, but they're all different. The first three Gospels, they focus on the humanity of Christ. But we were reading the book of John. John stresses the deity of Christ. We learned in John 1.1 that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But you know what we learned is that all things were created by God. It's very simplistic. See, you got Jehovah's Witnesses that are going around lying to everybody out there, them and many other false witnesses, that call Jesus Christ a created being. He is not the created. He is the creator. Do I, do I need to say that again? He's not the first created son of many sons. He's not the first created of the archangels. He's not the first created of many angels. He's not the created at all. There are many false religions in this world that talk about his position of when he is created. The word of God is very clear that everything was made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the creator, the redeemer, the lamb of God, the son of God, but God in the flesh. Somebody ought to say amen. So, so we read this week, we learned that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. He brought an end to the law, and he established grace. We ought to be very thankful for that. We, we know that, that there was a forerunner. We met John the Baptist there in chapter 1, and, and we saw the forerunner that was prophesied. Listen, all of the life of Christ is prophesied throughout all the Old Testament. 
the, the coming of Christ, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be least among the thousands, it is prophesied that the king would come out of Bethlehem. That's why Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem that day when the time was there that Jesus be born, the Messiah, in the proper place. The life of Christ is prophesied. The death, burial, resurrection of Christ is prophesied. Everything is prophesied. The forerunner of Jesus Christ is prophesied. We're told many times about the forerunner, but Malachi chapter 3, it says, Behold, I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Samuel was the first of the prophets. He introduced Israel's first king to them. John the Baptist is the last of the prophets. He introduces to the world the eternal king. He says, this is the Lamb of God. This is the sacrifice for our sins. This is the one who taketh away the sins of the world. This is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. In verse number 50, we have the, the first mention of the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus himself was talking to Nathaniel. Philip has brought him in, and Nathaniel doesn't believe on things. And, and Jesus says, man, listen, before Philip came and got you, I saw you out there under the tree. And he was amazed. He was amazed that Jesus saw him. But what Jesus said, listen, buddy, if you're amazed by that, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think that's something, if you think that's a wonder, just sit down and hold on. You're going to see some mighty things. Paraphrase, of course, right? Y'all didn't read that part in chapter 1 just quite like that. Chapter 2, we saw the first recorded miracle of Jesus where he went to the wedding at Cana of Galilee. And, and we saw the, the institution of the marriage. We saw the cleansing of the temple later in the chapter. We saw the promise of the resurrection. Verse number 19, Jesus tells us about the crucifixion and the third day resurrection. If we're on track, on Wednesday we read chapter 3 together. We met a, a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus one that came to him by night. He believed in him. He just couldn't let all of his friends around him know about it, right? This is a very important man. This is a very wealthy man. This is a very religious man. He is he's one of the leaders. He's a, he's a keeper of the law. He, he is the one who, who, who leads all the nation of Israel in terms of, of their religion. So, so what we learn there is that the rich can be saved. I said the rich can be saved. If you have money, God bless you. But your money is not a sin. The love of your money is. The love of money is the root of all evil. To, to set aside the things of God to try to gain money, those things are evil, but money's not. And what we see there from Nicodemus is that the rich can be saved. We see that the religious can, can be taught the truth. We saw that the legalistic could be redeemed. We also learned what it was that died in Adam and Eve. Back when God told them on the day you shall eat of the forbidden fruit, you shall surely die, we learned what died. Adam and Eve didn't die, right? We know that. God came walking in the garden. They were naked. They realized that they hid themselves, so they didn't die physically, right? But something died. God didn't tell them on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die unless something died. So something on that day, something when they ate of it died, and what we learned there is what actually died. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. So if we're going to see the kingdom of God, we must be born again. You know, Nicodemus asked the question, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter again to the mother's womb the second time? Jesus says, that which is flesh is flesh. But that which is spirit is spirit. In the next chapter, Jesus said, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It was the spirit that died in Adam and Eve that day. It is the spirit that's dead in man when we're born in the flesh. And it is the spirit that must be born again. We must be washed in the blood, name written in the Lamb's book of life, filled with the Holy Spirit so that the spirit is born again. Now, in, in chapter 4, we met the woman at the well. Now, she's a woman of Samaria, right? So what we go is from the richest man to one of the poorest women. We go from a very religious man, one who serves in the temple, to a woman who's been divorced five times and is currently living in adultery. That's what the Bible tells us. The Jews looked down on Samaritans like they were unclean dogs. The Samaritans looked down on this woman the same way. That's why she has to go to the well in the middle of the day to stay away from all the other women. So in chapter 3, we learn that the wealthiest of the wealthy can be saved. 
in chapter 4, we learned that the poorest of the poor can be saved. At the end of chapter 4, we have the second recorded miracle of Jesus, which is also in Cain of Galilee, when he healed the nobleman's son. When he came to him, my son is sick, and he said, just go thy way. And the nobleman learned that his son was healed at the same hour when Jesus said that. So he healed the nobleman's son. That's important because that's at the end of chapter 4. In chapter 5, Jesus went down to the pool of Bethesda. You got all kind of crippled, all kind of lame, all, all kind of impotent folks. They're lying all around the pool waiting for the stirring of the water. Jesus asked the lame man, does he want to be healed? He said, I can't. I have nobody to put me in the water. And Jesus healed the lame man. In chapter 4, we learned that the rich and the noble can be healed. But in chapter 5, we learned that the poor and the unknown can be healed. God's grace is sufficient for all. Chapter 6, yesterday, we saw the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children with the five barley loaves and the two small fishes. And what we learn is that no matter what we have, if we will give it to God, it will be enough. No matter what we have, no, no matter how much of our talents we have, no matter what our gifts are, no matter what our finances are, if we are willing to trust God with what we have, God can do amazing things and use us in amazing ways. Verse number 19, we saw Jesus walk on the water. Dale just talked about it. Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of a storm. The disciples are scared to death. Jesus said, be not afraid, it is I. I can't hardly wait on next week. We're already, there's a couple songs. Listen, you need to invite somebody. I, I believe God's going to do something great. I believe God's going to continue doing something great today. I know God has us on a, on, a, on a mission. I know that God has something going on. We've got a couple more songs. I want to share something with you about the fourth man in the fire next week. But right now, Right now, Lord, help me. I'm going to try. That's why I can't study too far ahead. I preach it all at one time. We get out at 2 o'clock, and I have nothing to preach next week. We, we saw in verse number 19 that Jesus walked on the water in the midst of the storm. What we learned is it doesn't matter how severe your storm is. It doesn't matter how hopeless your situation looks. Jesus will be there when you got to have him. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the waves, in the middle of the night, fourth watch of the night, it'll never be too dark, it'll never be too rough, it'll never be too stormy, it'll never be so hard that Jesus isn't going to show up when you have to have him and he'll be there. In chapter 7 we read this morning, the Jewish elite, they've built up this hatred towards Jesus. Even though he's done nothing but good, they, they build up a hatred and they want to kill him. And verse number 30 says that no man laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Where's my cross at? My bad, my bad. My bad, just, it's really not, but my bad. I turn around for the cross, and the cross is gone. Thank God the cross ain't gone out of my life, right? Y'all don't pay them attention. They'll be putting up the cross. But really, all this happened when all that confusion was going on, everybody was moving around, I was talking about what my daddy said. All that happened, so y'all just pretend like it's already done, right? So, so it, it says that, that his hour had not yet come. What, what we learn about the cross, what we learn about the crucifixion is it's not just a coincidence. It's not just a happenstance. It didn't just happen to happen when it happened. Anybody get that? It is an appointed time right down to the very hour that Jesus Christ fulfilled the plan that was made by God himself before the foundations of the world. On Wednesday of this week, chapter 10, Jesus is going to confirm that when he says in John chapter 10, verse 18, talking about his life he said no man taketh it from me but I lay it down of myself I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again this commandment have I received of the father now obviously that's just little scratches of the surface but that's the things that we read this week that, that's just some highlights of what we read together what we did together now listen to me if, if you didn't read this week it's okay I am not here to beat anybody up. I am trying to help you. 
I'm trying to help you establish a place in your life to be closer to God than you've ever been. You may read for hours. You may have incredible prayer habits, but everybody doesn't. I said, everybody doesn't. So if you didn't get to read last week, it's okay. Start this week. I'm sorry your little card is not actually right. It's supposed to have week one and two on there. So it will continue this week. Read one chapter of John every day, and then we'll get to the prayer and a little bit of the card that you have that, that we keep reading, doing things together. Where, wherever you are, just keep on reading, right? If you're, if you're at chapter 3, then, then be on chapter 3. If you want to skip ahead and join the rest of us at chapter 8, that, that's fine. Just make sure you'll read something in the morning. So in the morning, if you're at chapter 8, we see Jesus go to the Mount of Olives. And we see the Pharisees bring a woman that they say caught in the very act of adultery. And every one of us always asks the same question, where is the man it took to? It had to have been one of the Pharisees. Sorry. It has to be one of their buddies. It has to be somebody important they had brought him to. It was somebody they liked. But they made an example. They brought this woman caught in the very act of a sin. They cast her down. All they're doing is trying to trick Jesus. They said, the law says that she is to be stoned. What do you say? See, what they're trying to do is establish something against Jesus. Here's why this is important. I want you to pay attention when you read it. There's not one of us in here not guilty. There's not one of us in here without sin. There's not one of us in here that the devil is not going to stand there on judgment day as our accuser, cast us down at the feet of Jesus and say, I caught him in the very act Jesus what do you say and he's going to stamp on your forehead forgiven redeemed washed in the blood cleansed children of the living God every one of us are going to be cast down and not accused of false accusations but pointed out of things that we did and Jesus is going to say neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more but he points out something to everybody around because the religious crowd needed this. It was a religious crowd that brought her. This is what the religious crowd had to learn. You want to condemn her? Fine. Ye that are without sin, knock yourself out. Ye that have no sin in your life, jump on the bandwagon. Just one of you. Everybody else can follow. Just one of you. The one who has no sin, get on board and run your mouth about somebody else. The one who has no sin, you tear down somebody else. The one that has no sin, you condemn. And then the rest can get on board. So that's things that we'll see tomorrow morning. So before we get really started, I say really started, we're already pretty started. But I want to look at part two of we're better together. And, and before we get to the text, our text this morning is going to be in Psalms chapter 133. But before we get over there to that text, I want us to evaluate where we are for a minute. So let me ask you a question. Where are you going in life? What, what, are, you, what are your goals? What are your intentions? What do you hope to accomplish in this life? The truth is, if you have no target, you'll never hit what you're aiming at. You have to have a target to even establish an aiming point. There has to be something to shoot for or we're just wandering aimlessly. Amen? So what do you hope to accomplish in this life for Jesus? What do you hope to do in this life for the glory of God? Do you plan to read the Bible? Do, do you plan to pray more? Do you plan to grow closer to the Lord? I'm fully convinced if I ask you to raise your hand, do you want to grow closer to the Lord? I believe every hand in here would grow, would raise. Because I think we, we all want to grow. But here's the truth. If we want to grow closer, then what plans do we have in place to help us accomplish our goals? But because if we have no plan and we have no process, then we have very little possibility. So what about Faith Baptist Church? Let, let's put it on the body of believers. Not let, Let's just close the personal for a minute. What about the church? Where are we going? What are we going to do for the glory of God? What part do you have in what God is going to do here? Philip and I were just talking about it earlier. 
I realize some people have gone, but a lot of you have just come. Four families, I think, have joined in the last three weeks. I'm not worried about who's going or who's coming. I'm just waiting to see what God wants to do. I'm just excited to be where God's doing something. And, and it's okay with me if God's having to get out some of what was and move in some of what is. It's okay if God's having to get the right people in place to see what he's going to do next. I'm fine with that. I'm just willing to wait on God. Be still and know that I am God. Just preach the word. Put it out and do everything that you can. Not to beat anybody up. To try to help God's people. To help us all grow closer to God. So that we all grow closer together. Because there ain't a doubt in my mind. God plans to do something great. He just needs the church to do it through, right? Somebody that'll, that'll step on board. So, so where are we going as a church? James chapter 1, the Holy Spirit he gives us a very simple solution to the problem. Verse number 5 says, I told you James would come into play. Verse number 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, what are we to do? Let him ask of God, who gives to who? All men liberally. How many does he keep it away from? None. Upbraideth not. All that will come, and it shall be given him. That means that wisdom is available to every child of God that will seek it and look for it. But there is a part two to the equation. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Do you know where you want to go? Do you have a plan in place to serve God better, or are you just floating in the wind? Do we have a plan at Faith Baptist Church to be all that God wants us to be? Or are we just drifting and hoping that the wind takes us in the right direction? An unnamed quote says, if you do not change direction, you may just end up where you're heading. Pretty simplistic to be so profound, right? Why is it important that we all be united? Why is it so important that we as a church, that, that we all be one, that, that we all work together to grow closer to the Lord and, and in that to grow closer to each other? James chapter 3, verse 13 said, Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, mm-mm, glory not. And lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. It's earthly, sensual, it's devilish. Verse number 16 shows the importance of unity. It says, where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil work. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil evil work. Charles Spurgeon says Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly communion than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Martin Luther said, together with God's people united in adoration of the Father is as necessary to the Christian life as prayer. Dwight L. Moody, you're going to want to write this one down. Take your phone out. Take a picture. Screenshot it if they've got it up there. You're going to want this from Dwight L. You can take all of them. You're going to need them. They're great, great quotes. But this is what Moody said. I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. Do you want to know the importance of unity? you want to know the importance of being together? I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. The devil knows that. He's been around since the beginning of time. So he will do anything and everything that he can to destroy unity in your family life, in, in your friend life, in, in your personal life, and certainly within the house of God. So, so here are some things that I believe that I could say about faith today, and it's okay. You're entitled to your opinion, I'm entitled to mine, okay? But here's some things that I believe I could say about faith, and, and I believe they're true. I, I believe we are together. I believe we are in one accord, at least most of us. See, 
What, 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 what if, let me look around. If everybody's in one accord, what, what if it's only just three or four that's running their mouth about somebody else? What, what, what if it's just three or four that, that's going around and causing confusion or discord? Out of all this plus all those down there and everybody together, what if it's just three or four that's putting garbage out there on social media? What if it's just one? What if you're all united and it's only one? What if it's only one causing drama? What if it's only one spreading gossip? What if it's only one creating discord? Galatians 5, 9 says that a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Just in case you don't know, let me spend just a minute and point it out. Leaven is a picture of sin in the Word of God. And it's talking about a loaf of bread. And if you have a loaf of bread, they had to eat unleavened bread at the Passover because leaven was a picture of sin. You couldn't have any in it. But a little bit of leaven spoiled the entire loaf. What it says is a little bit of sin in the camp tears down the whole camp a little bit of sin in the body corrupts the whole body you can't use your middle finger to sin out the window of somebody and it not corrupt the rest of your body you can't use the tongue in your mouth to tear down somebody with your lips and it not corrupt the rest of the body a little bit of sin leaveneth the whole lump so in the book of joshua god is blessing the children of israel immensely Moses has died. Joshua has taken over. They've crossed the Jordan River. They are establishing the promised land. They they are overthrowing the enemies. They're they're destroying the enemy, running them out. They are claiming the promised land that God has promised. They've marched around the city of Jericho. The walls have fallen down. They've taken over the city. There's only one problem. God gave them a very specific commandment. When you go into Jericho and destroy the city, you're not to take any of the spoil from the city. It wasn't their victory. It was God's victory. And he said, you're not supposed to take any of the spoil. But one man of all of the armies of Israel, one man took some gold and silver things. He took some of the spoil and he carried it and he put it under his tent. And all of Israel suffered. Joshua chapter 7, verse number 1, God said, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, y'all see that? The children of Israel, but then he names one man. Achan, the son of of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the the anger of the Lord was kindled against who? Achan? It's not what it says. It says the children of Israel, the children of Israel committed a trespass. That's what it says. But yet there's only one man named. Now because of that, Israel goes up into battle against this little town of Ai. They just send a handful of people down because it won't be nothing to go down and whoop their little behinds and come on back. They come back with a tail tucked between their legs because Ai ran over them. So obviously God has something going on against them. So, so Joshua goes before God and he says, what's wrong? What what is the problem? And God said in verse number 11, Israel hath sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing. And have also stolen and and, and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. One person. One. Do, Do I need... To pull more, everybody understand that. Everybody suffered. The entire nation of Israel suffered over one. One person can sow discord in the church, and that's all the devil needs. All he needs is your tongue. And if he's using your tongue, I'm going to leave that. Listen, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm here to let the Holy Spirit beat somebody up. Because I want to see the church in unity. Because I want to see God use us to do great and mighty things. I want to see thousands of souls saved. I want to see a revival of biblical proportions. I want to see LaGrange turned upside down in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't want to die before I see a multitude of souls saved. And God doing great and mighty works. And this church being in the middle of it. But it only takes one. That, that, that's what it shows us. So if you went ahead and turned in your Bible, turn with me if you would to our text. Psalms chapter 133. 
Now, don't worry. I'm just now getting to the text. Some of you are like, really? I promise. I promise. I have very little doubt that we will be out by 2.15. I promise. Very short. Very pointed. Continuation of, of what we've already seen. A song of degrees of David. <laughs> Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And at the end of that statement, the Holy Spirit puts an exclamation mark. Y'all do me a favor. Can we just all stand together just for a minute and, and let's just read this. It won't, it won't take but a minute. Y'all need to get some blood moving about anyway. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life, forevermore. Make no mistakes about this. We will never go any further as a church than our unity. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. God cannot and God will not bless discord. It is the seventh of seven things, the thing that the Lord hates, he that soweth discord among the brethren. God cannot and God will not bless division. God cannot and God will not bless strife. God cannot, God will not bless gossip. God cannot God will not bless confusion. James 3.16 said, "What For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, The Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What do you want in your life? Do you want strife or do you want peace? Do, do you want drama? Or, or do you want calm? Some of you, I think you may want drama. It sure does surround you a lot. What, what, what do you want out of life? Do, do you want confusion or do you want liberty? Do, do, you, do you want contention or, or, or do you want consolation? Can, can I tell you something? Negativity breeds negativity. If you are negative in your life, then you can rest assured everything around you is negative. You're breeding it. If you don't want negativity in your life, then get it out. Spend more time praying. Spend more time reading. Two things if you don't want negativity in your life. Anybody ready? One, get the negativity out of your life. And number two, delete anybody that's negative in your life. Well, they're my friend. No, they're not. No, they're not. Something's either pulling you toward God or it's pulling you away from God. If it's pulling you away from God, get it out of your life. They're not your friend. They're discord. Delete them from your Facebook. Delete your Facebook. Glory to God. Delete your social media. Delete anything that's pulling you away from God. If you want to get closer to God, get closer to God. Hang around people that will lead you closer to God. Hang around people Hang around people that you can love, that you can worship with together. You can pray with together. You can read with together. Hang around people that talk about the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the mercy of God, the mightiness of God. Talk about people who put positive things in your life. If you don't want to be negative, don't be negative. Get it out. And if it's negative people, get them out. Well, I just want to love them back. No, you don't. You're just afraid you'll miss something. You look at Facebook to see what kind of garbage somebody's put out. I'll be honest, I don't care what time you went to the bathroom. I don't really care what you had for dinner. Or how long it took to go to the bathroom after dinner. It doesn't matter to me about your dog. You want to share some little stories? That, listen, you got better things to do with your time. You want to read something that will change your life? You want to read something that will make you positive? You want to read something that will put a positivity in your life and not add anything negative? Get rid of the garbage. Well, Lord, help us. I don't know why I got off and all that. I was going to be through by two. Now I'm running late. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4, we have the beginning of the church. 
Verse number 31, they had prayed. The place was shaken. They were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but, but they had all things in common. Can I tell you something? That didn't last but a minute. A week, maybe months. All you got to look at the letters of the Apostle Paul, and you see that didn't last long. You can see the corrective letters that we have, the 13 letters of the Apostle Paul written back to churches. They're, they're dealing with discord. They're dealing with stuff. Go over and read the letters to the churches and the church ages over in the book of Revelation that Jesus had to say to the churches. It didn't last very long because the devil understands where there is strife, no great works can be done. The, the devil understands that where there is contention, no great peace can be found. The devil understands that where there is envy, nothing great will ever be accomplished. The devil understands that where there is division, there is confusion. There's only two commandments under the fulfillment of the law of Jesus Christ. He said that he came not to condemn the law, but to fulfill the law, right? And he gave us two laws. What are they? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God said, take it all right here. Every bit of it. Hang it on two things. Love God, love your neighbor. You do those two, you'll never break one of these. You live by that, you'll live by this. You live by love God and God alone and then love your neighbor as yourself then this book will begin to shape your life. The problem in the world today is that people don't want this book to shape their life. They, they, they want to take their life, and, and they want to live it the way they want, and they want to try to bend this book to shape it into the image of their life. That's not going to happen. I think it was Wednesday night we talked about it. You want a straight edge, that's it. You want to walk the straight and the narrow, that's it. You want to live a godly life, that's it. Love God, love your neighbor, and then you won't break any of this. That's, that's what Jesus told us. That there are some of you in here who owe some people an apology. It, people just thought, yep, I know who owes me an apology. That's not the way that was intended. There, there are some people that you said something about, and they know you said it. You owe them an apology. You want to go a step further? There are some people that you said something about, and they don't even know you said it. You owe them an apology. If they're brothers and sisters in Christ, what you have is contention. And what you've done is discord. And so if you said anything about anybody, you owe them an apology. I, I read a quote recently. I don't remember exactly what it said, so I'll just give it to you. It's the best way I remember it. This is the way it stood out to me. I don't worry about the people that God removes from my life. Because God heard them say things that I didn't know they said. Don't worry about what God's doing. Just seek his face and stay on it. See, Lord, I'm fixing to lose a bunch of people. I know I'm fixing to get turned off out there. There are some people that need to grow up and act like adults. There are some who we need to grow up and, and act like Christians. Joni Erickson Tata said, Believers are never told to become one. We're already one. We're expected to act like it. The cross made us one. In, in, anybody right here been to the foot of the cross and asked for forgiveness? In, anybody been here and asked God to save your soul, wash away your sins in the blood of Jesus, write your name in the Lamb's book of life? In, anybody know that Jesus is going to prepare a place for you, and as soon as, soon as he's done, he's going to come and get us and receive us unto himself, that where he is, there will be? At that moment, we became one. Our goal is not to become one. Our goal is to act like one. That, that, that's what Jesus says, that, that we are to be one. You know how sometimes you, you do something, and it can be good or bad, but there are unintended consequences. You know what I'm talking about? You, like you can be doing something that turns out better than you thought. You're like, hey, I didn't realize it would do that. And like, man, that was really good. But then sometimes it's the other way around. You do something you think would be good, but you all know what I'm talking about, unintended consequences? Well, I know I, I like using quotes of smart people, but sometimes I just have to use Yanceyology quotes because that's all I have. Christian unity, y'all get that part? Christian unity is an unintended benefit of personal spiritual growth. 
Christian unity is an unintended benefit of personal spiritual growth. Because the closer we get to God, the closer we'll get to each other. Man, you guys can come on. Y'all can start getting ready over here. And that lets people get high hopes that we're not going to be 12, 20 again getting out of this place. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be late. They just, we sing so much. I, and I, listen, I just love what God does. I, I, need, I need for five volunteers. You ain't got to move yet. Just right where you're at, I need five people to stand up. Balcony included, I need five people to stand up. Oh, well, if you move, go ahead and stand up. I saw you move over a chair. I thought I had one. Y'all don't be scared. I've never done anything bad. All right. Nobody in the balcony? Oh, I got one. Oh, I got two. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, we can work with that. We can work with that. I'm going to need one to stay standing and two to stay standing. Bristol, I got some young ones down here, so I'm going to let Bristol sit down. And that will keep me two up there. I'm going to let you stay standing and the rest of you can sit down. Mm-hmm. Yep, you you get to stand up. Rob, I said, rest of y'all can sit down. I just need one right here. I just need one. I just need one. I just need one. All right, y'all don't fight over it. This is about unity, not division. No black eyes. I don't want to stir up a fight. So I've got one, two, three. You can stay standing. Miss Joy, I'll let you stay standing. It serves my purpose better. So that gives me five. One, two, three, four, five. So I've got five people standing, right? So you're at the balcony. You, you've got the greatest distance to come. Y'all, y'all come on down. I told you you'd have to move eventually. But I want you to come stand right here. And I want you to come stand right here. They're looking like, really, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. Who else I got? Come here, brother, right here. No, you ain't getting to break no sticks this time, show off. You come stand right here. Miss Joy, you come stand right here. So we have, we have the balcony. Y'all welcome them down from the balcony. Y'all welcome them. <coughs> all right, just, just spread out somewhere on there. So, so y'all, y'all look at me right here. I have a question for all five of you. The cross represents Jesus Christ, amen? It, it represents our salvation. It represents the blood of the Lamb. Th- this represents God. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He's God in the flesh. So, so this This represents Jesus Christ. So let me ask all five of you a question. Are you closer to Christ right now than you were where you were? How did y'all split? (laughs) Well, Pete, you just want to make sure you got in on this, didn't you? So so are, are you closer to Christ than you were where you were seated. What else are you closer to? Each other. All you had to do is get a little bit closer to this. And you got closer to each other. Now, I need all five of you to come up. Just, just give me a circle right out here. Give me a, a circle around this cross. Mr. Peter, you didn't have to sit down. I can, I can use six. Six is the number of the world anyway. It doesn't matter. Five is the number of grace. So, 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 are you closer to Christ now than you were when you were down there? What else are you closer to? Put your left hand on the cross. Are you closer to Christ now than you were? What else are you closer to? So, I ought to have you put your noses on the cross, but I'll spare you the details. <laughs> And put your noses on the cross and put your arms around each other and ask you the same question. Do you understand the relationship? You cannot, as a Christian, get closer to God and not get closer to another Christian. You cannot read the Bible together and not get closer together. You cannot pray together and not get closer to each other. It's a, listen, we use it in marriage counseling all the time. If God is not the center bond of your marriage, it will break. 
If God is not the threefold cord in the center of your marriage, it will break. The same thing's true in the church. The same thing's true in the life. If God is the center bond of this church, what can break this unity? But without Christ, we're nothing but simple creatures set up for failure. Amen? Thank you. You guys can go be seated. I'm just a visual learner. I like for people to see what I see, and, and I, I wish I had better examples, but I have what I have. If we're going to grow closer as a church, then we're going to have to grow closer to God. There is no better way to do that than to read that book together and to pray together. Wesley L. Duell said, There is unusual power in united prayer. God has planned for his people to join together in prayer, not only for Christian fellowship, spiritual nurture and growth, but also accomplishing his divine purpose and reaching his chosen goals. That's what I want for faith. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for yours. That's what I want for this church. Accomplishing his divine purposes and reaching his chosen goals. How many of you got your card today? You get your week two card? If you didn't get your week two card, they're out in the foyer, right? If you didn't get your week two card, make sure you grab one out of the foyer. It should have had week one and two on it. Here's the deal. Here's what I want you to do. This week, read one chapter of John. We'll be on eight in the morning as a whole, but it doesn't matter to me wherever you are. Don't worry about reading ahead, trying to get ahead. Let's just do this together, okay? If you want to read the whole book of John tomorrow, that's okay. But you still make sure you read eight. Do nine on Tuesday. Do ten on Wednesday. And let, let's just do this together. So... Your, your card says that we're to pray together. I know some of you are to do this. But it's pretty simple. I, want, I would love for you to pray in the morning before you leave the house. Read John whenever you want to. I'd love for you to do that in the morning, but that's okay. Read whenever you have time. Read during your lunch. But, but I want you to pray before you leave the house. If you forget and you think of in the car, pray in the car. If you forget and you think of it and you're at work, if you're where you can stop what you're doing, stop what you're doing and pray then. It's okay. There's not some magic formula about the time of day. I just would like for it to be in the morning before we leave to go to work so that it's like we're all doing it together as much as, as, much as possible. But, but here's the three things I want you to do. Every day this week, I want you to pray for three things. Number one, anybody that prays already knows this. Thank God first. Open your mouth with God. I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank God Call out your blessings. Name them one by one. Think of the things that you're thankful for. If it's your family, glory to God, it ought to be thank God for your family. Listen, mine can be simple stuff. I've got a metal shop, but I wanted a shop for years. I love my shop. I've got an old homemade aluminum boat, but I wanted it. I love my boat. I love my pickup so much so I've had it for 20 years. You know what I'm talking about? Is it the most important things? No, but I, I can tell you this. They are things that I prayed about. They're just simplistic things that I prayed about. But, but I've got greater things than that. I, I, I've still got my dad. I've still got my wife. I've still got my children. I saw what God did with our grandson. I've seen God do great and mighty things in my life. i got some things. Just Number one, just start out saying, God, thank you so much for being so good. Number two, God, please forgive me of anything that would hinder you from using me. Forgive me of all my failures, every evil thought, every evil deed, every evil intention. I'm just asking you to cleanse me now so you look upon me. And then number three, God, use me on this day. All all I'm asking you, God, I give you all the glory. I'm asking you to forgive me that that you might guide me on this day and help me get through this day in, in a way that would bring glory and honor to you. Thank him, cleanse you, guide you. I realize some of you are already praying a lot more than that. It's okay. It's just something to do together. And I, I have, listen, it doesn't matter to me where God's going with this. I just know this is what God's got me doing. And, and I'm very, very thankful. Could I have everybody just stand right where you are? You can stand right where you are just, just for a minute. If you could bow your heads, let me ask you a simple question. Do you know that you know that you're saved, born again, child of God, going to heaven when you die? Slip your hand up right where you are. All over the building, some of you got up two hands. Glory to God. So let me ask you as children of God, do you want to be closer to God in your life? Raise your hand. All over the building. 
So there is power in prayer. There's power in unity. I read you two or three quotes. We talked about the power of praying together. You're welcome to come to the altar that we can pray together. You can pray for yourself. Pray for God to use you. You can go ahead and start asking for blessings. Pray for things you need. Just thank God first. Ask Him to cleanse you and then, then pray for what you need for God to do in your life. Pray for your family, for your home. Pray, pray that God would help you draw closer to Him. Pray that God would help you to be a better light, a better influence to a friend, to a co-worker, to a neighbor. Just come pray if you will. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I, I don't know if it's just bashful or if it's lack of knowledge of knowing that you know that you're saved because some of you didn't raise your hand that you know you're saved. So if you didn't raise your hand that you know you're saved, I'm just going to take it and assume that that means you don't know. But I know that you can. Would you like to know that you know that you're saved this morning? Would you like to know that you're going to heaven when you die? Would, would you like to know? Because the Word of God says that I can know. I, I don't have to wander down. I, I, I can know these things. All you have to do is reach out and take the gift that's offered. The price has been paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the gift is offered completely free of charge. But it does you no good if you don't reach out and take it. So are you willing to reach out this morning and just say, Father, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm just asking you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm just asking you to save my soul. I'm just asking you in the name of Jesus to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I want to go to heaven when I die, and I'm making sure of that right now because I believe in you. I believe in Christ. I believe in the cross. I believe in salvation. And I'm getting it right right now, Father. Will you save my soul in Jesus' name? I haven't asked anybody to raise hands in a long time, and I don't know why I am now. I just feel the need to. I know that Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. Maybe somebody just needs to make it real. I don't know. But if you said a prayer this morning to confirm in your life that you know you're going to heaven, you know you're a child of God, right where you have nobody looking around, you just slip your hand up and hold it up for a minute while I look around. I see four hands already. I didn't even make it to the balcony of the other half of the building. You can put your hands down. Thank you, God. God has something special for one of you. But you know, you go to this church, I don't ask people to raise hands very often because I don't make it about numbers. I make it about souls. I just want to see people saved. I want to see people live closer to God. Listen, I, I, I hope, I hope you understand God has given me things to help me. And all I'm trying to do is share that to help you. Reading God's Word will help you. Praying will help you. And when we read God's Word and we pray together, it will help us. Amen. Still got some praying band. Go ahead and sing that song while these guys are praying. You're welcome to come pray. You're welcome to pray right where you are.